How many of you this morning are glad that the Bible is true and that God is faithful to keep his promise that where two or three gather in his name, he's there? Amen? So, so this morning, God is present. God is here. And God wants to move in our hearts. And my prayer today is that as we continue this series called Faith and Fear, that God would move in your heart in an incredible way, um, that you would experience the, the true love of God if you've never experienced that before, and that that love would help you overcome any fear that you face because the Bible is true when it says that perfect love casts out fear. And we see that is true in our own lives when we're immersed in the love of God and we know that God's got our life and he's gonna take care of us and that we've already won the battle because of what Jesus did for us, then fear is gone, fear is no more. And so that's my prayer for you. I also pray today, we're gonna to be talking about, I'm out of 1 Samuel 17 again with the David and Goliath story. We're gonna be talking about how vision for our life and knowing what God's called us to do and what he wants us to be, how that pushes us beyond fear. And so we're gonna start there in 1 Samuel 17, We'll pick up in verse 33, but before we do, I wanna kind of set it up for you. David uh, has gone to the battle lines. He, he went to the battle lines only to take his brother some uh, supplies. And so he goes to the battle lines. When he gets to the battle lines, he actually hears uh, Goliath coming out and taunting the Israelites. And he begins that question like, who is this guy? What's going on? They began to tell him about everything that was going on and how this, this uh, Philistine had been taunting them. And, and the Philistine was saying, you send your best warrior out, I'll fight him. Whoever wins that battle wins the whole thing. And so he's really challenging them to come out and fight. And David hears it and although all the other Israelite soldiers were scared, they were horrified of Goliath. David uh, had experienced, as we talked about last week, had experienced the faithfulness of God in other battles. And he knew that the God who had delivered him from the lion and from the bear would deliver him from the hands of this Philistine. And so he makes the comment in uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, that no one should lose hope. He says, I'll go and fight this Philistine. And so I want to pick up in verse 33. It's Saul's reply to David. He says, Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. With his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for, God, how it speaks to our heart. I pray today, God, that you would speak to our hearts through the power of your spirit as we talk about who you are and what you've called us to be and called us to do. Lord, just have your way in this time as we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we 
jump in. I want to do. I do want to say this that I know this message. If you take what um, what I'm going to speak to you and you apply it to your life, I believe with all my heart it will transform your life. Not because of what I'm going to say or because of who I am, but because it's coming from the Word of God, and God's Word has the power to transform you. And knowing and having a vision for your life uh, is something that will transform who you are. And so I want to teach today a little more than preach, I guess, and, and, and really be able to teach you some of these things that I've seen true in my own life and that we see true in the lives of the people, of people in the scriptures that we read and that we'll read in a little bit. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is what does vision do? And these, will be, these points will be on the screen. There's going to be a lot of them. How many of you are note takers? You like to take notes? Yeah, you're going to be in heaven today. It's like your day is, is today. Um, if you don't take notes, I would encourage you to take notes in your phone or or whatever, just don't be texting, right? Um, and I know you wouldn't do that. And so, uh, but the first section I want to talk to you about is what does vision do? Um, or what are the benefits of vision? I was looking online uh, this morning. I just started thinking about some of the inventions and things we've seen invented in our lifetime. And as I was looking online, I came across the thing that had the top 10 inventions. And I went and found the, the top five and looked at those. The fifth greatest invention, according to this one website, was the steam engine, right? The steam engine was one of the greatest inventions of, of our time. And, and in the last, I don't know, a couple hundred years, it was one of the greatest inventions. The second one, or the fourth one from, from number one was the automobile. Automobile. How many of you are glad you got a vehicle, right? We don't have to walk everywhere. That would be not good. Um, and, so, and then the, the third one was the light bulb. The light bulb was number three on the list. How many of you are glad you got lights? That way, parents, you don't have to step on Legos when you go in your kid's room, right? Because um, that hurts real bad when that happens. And so uh, we, we have the light bulb. The second one is computers. The second one is computers. Number two was computers. How many of you are holding a computer in your hand right now, like a small one, your smartphone? What would we do without smartphones, right? Um, and, and it's kind of like having children. It's kind of like one of those things of, what did we do before we had kids? And now we're like, what did we do before we had smartphones, you know? You waited to get, till you got home to talk to people. That's what you did. But anyway, we, uh, we have computers now, so that was the number two invention. Uh, this, the number one, who can take a guess at what it might be? Number one invention, the last couple hundred years, the internet right? The internet, yeah. It's one of those things, too, that we use the internet like crazy. Um, I remember a time when you had to actually have a phone book to find somebody's number. Now you just Google it, right? And so it's changed everything. Um, and, and so the internet was the number one invention. The thing I tell you about those and what I want you to see about all of those is this. Somebody had to invent those things. Somebody came up with the idea of those things. Somebody looked at the world and said, there's a better possibility if we do this, or if we do that. And so these things were invented uh, as, as people saw that there's a better possibility for the future. And the first thing I want you to write down under what does vision do or the benefits of vision is I want you to write down this, that it opens our eyes to new possibilities. It opens our eyes to new possibilities. We begin to see that there's a better future in this if we do X. See, David saw a better future with the Philistine gone. He's there and he has this vision of, I'm going to take this Philistine out. And he even knew the best way to go about that. And so he had a vision that God had brought him that he knew why he was at the battle line. See, it was, it was originally about bringing supplies. But once he got there, he realized God had a bigger purpose for him than just bringing supplies. And so he had a vision of what God was going to do through his life as he surrendered it to him. And he realized God's called me to this moment. He's called me to this time. I'd like to encourage you this morning that God has called you to this moment and this 
this time. There's something that God is, is calling you to do. There's something that God is calling you to be, and God wants to work in your life to accomplish that. There's not one person in here today who, who God does not want to use your life to advance his kingdom. Every person in here, God has a call on your life. It may not be being called to be a pastor. It may not be being called to plant a church. But he's got a call on your life that he wants to use. And he wants you to see a better possibility, a better future. He wants you to see that there's a vision that he wants to implant in your heart. It can be for your family. It should be for your family. You should know, this is what I want my family to be like. This is what God's calling us to be and look like. Um, you should have one for your workplace. That, that, that This is what God's called me to do and to be in my workplace and how he wants to use me. We should have one for our marriage. We should have one that, that tells us this is what our marriage is going to look like and this is what it's going to be like. And, and, and it gives us um, the ability to see a better future in all of those things. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to give us vision for how he wants to take back from the kingdom of darkness, bringing that back into the kingdom of light. And so God gives us vision to do this. David's vision of, of killing Goliath moved him from what had always been done, right? It moved him from the way things had always been done. In fact, Saul could only see the way things had always been. And so he, he dresses David in his armor. And David's like, I can't go in these. And so David realized that we got to do this in a way that it, maybe it's never been done before. And so many times we get stuck in the way it has been. And we think that the way it has been in the past has to dictate the way it goes in the future. But the reality of it is that when Jesus comes into our life, he makes us a new creation so that those old things don't have to dictate the new things in our life. The old things don't have to determine how we live or what we think or who we are when we become a new creation in Christ with a new heart and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so the good news is that today you're not limited to what your past has told you. You're not limited to what tradition has told you. You're unlimited in what God can do in you and through you as he works in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. For so many churches and for so many Christians, this 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 lie of, or this statement about this is the way it's always been has, has been a death sentence for so many people in so many places. And, and so we've got to be open to seeing that God wants to do something new in our lives. He may, may be leading us in a different direction. And so we don't just get stuck on it's been this way, it's always been this way. For some of us, it might have been a tradition that we just inherited from our, 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 our folks. It might be a tradition of having... Um, cultural Christianity in our life where we don't really have a relationship with God, but because my parents and my grandparents and everybody went to church, I just go to church, I've just been through the motions, um, or, or maybe I just, I just think I have enough of Jesus to, to get to heaven, and it's this cultural Christianity that can be a tradition that needs to be broken in our lives. We don't need to settle for anything less than a real living relationship with Jesus Christ, having a relationship where God is speaking to our hearts and showing us who he is. Another tradition might be racism. Maybe that's been handed down to you from generation to generation. That's a stupid tradition, right? And we don't need to live that way any longer. And Jesus gives us a new heart with a new, uh, new, new ability to hear God and to do what God tells us to do. And so we break those traditions, those generational things that come into our lives. We break them so that we can become more like Christ. So the first thing is that he opens our eyes to new possibilities. The second thing is that he gives you a purpose for existence. He gives you a purpose for existence, a reason to be here. One of the things I feel like the Lord has really shown me is that I was called to preach. I was called to, to preach the gospel. That's one of the things I feel like God put me here on earth to do. 
Um, you may or may not agree with that as you listen to me. But the reality is I feel like that's what God's called me to. And so it, it really has uh, the ability to give me a purpose, to give me a reason for existence. It answers that question that all of us have of why am I here? And in fact, I feel so strongly about that that the days that I don't preach, I feel completely useless and completely lost. Like it's good for other people to preach because you need to hear somebody else's voice and, and we need to remember that this is not about one person. And it's good for other people to preach because you're poured into by them as well. And, and, but for me, I'm kind of over there like I don't know what to do with my hands kind of thing. It's like I'm, I'm lost. I, don't, I have no purpose. And I'm almost to the point where I don't even like to be here on Sunday mornings because if I'm not preaching because I feel like I'm just wandering, right? I'm not doing what God called me to do. But I realize that it's good for other people to have that opportunity as well. And, and so um, it, it gives you a purpose and a reason for existence. It gives you a purpose for why you are here. David realized in this moment that he'd been created and shaped by his past experiences and by the talents that God had given him. He'd been created and shaped to accomplish this purpose in this moment, in this time. It may be that you look at your life and the giftings that God has given you and the past experiences that he's given you and that they will point you to the thing that God is calling you to right now. As he takes your past experiences and he takes the giftings that God's given you and he puts them together. We realized this in the, with the church as Susan and I had, had gone and been in, in a lot of different churches uh, for the first probably 14 years that I was saved. Or, and we started going through different churches and, and, and seeing different things. And we're kind of wondering, what is God doing? But then we got to this point where we were um, planning this church and I realized that God was shaping us and creating us and giving us experiences with different types of churches, with different uh, backgrounds so that we could come in and pastor a church that was non-denominational where you got people coming in from Baptist backgrounds, you got people coming in from Pentecostal backgrounds, all different backgrounds coming together so that we'd be able to understand what what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what the tradition was that they came out of. And so, so many times you see God take your past experiences and your giftings and put them together and it becomes uh, like an arrow pointing to your purpose and what God wants you to do and to be. And, and so the, the second thing there is he gives us a purpose for existence. The third thing is that he t it tells you where you're going. This is another benefit of vision and what vision does. It, it tells us where we're going. David knew the end goal. He knew what he was there to do, and he was working towards that goal and doing it in a way that he knew um, God had told him and called him to do it. But what I find is that most people don't have a vision for their life. Most of the time what we do is we just sort of wander through life, but vision becomes an anchor for our soul. It becomes an anchor for who we are and who we're called to be. And so when we look at that, uh, I want you to see that, that vision really gives you a direction for you to go. It tells you where you're headed. And so many times I think most people don't have that in their life. So we're just kind of blown around by, from circumstance to circumstance and from, from one thing to the other. And our emotions and feelings dictate where we're going or what we're doing. But when we're in a place where we have a vision from God and God is, is working in our lives, then we realize that God wants to do something in us. He's given us a direction to go and it pushes us past the feelings, the circumstances, everything else so that we accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And when we get to that point, it gives us determination to keep going. I can't tell you how many times if, if God had not given us a clear vision for this church and, and given us a clear call on our lives, I would have quit a thousand times by now. 
I mean, it would have been, been so easy to walk away, but when I look around, and maybe we're, we're going through um, an up or we're going through a down time. The thing I know is that God's not finished yet. He's still got work for us to do, and the same is true for your life, that if you have breath in your body, you've got a purpose in God's kingdom, and he wants to work in you and through you uh, to, to accomplish his purposes. Number four is that it gives you running lanes for your life. So you've got, I got a clear running lane. Proverbs 29, 18 tells us that where there's no vision, he says, my people perish. Another translation says um, basically that uh, where there's no revelation, my people cast off restraint. In other words, where there's no vision, there's no revelation of where we're going, what ends up happening is we just go all over the place. It's like the Israelites wandering through the desert um, when they were coming out of Egypt and they wandered for 40 years. Many of our lives are like that. We just wander from place to place, not really knowing what God's telling us to do, uh, not really having a vision that God wants to accomplish in us and through us. But the thing I want you to see and understand out of this today is that God has a purpose for your life. That ought to excite you a little bit. That ought to stir something in your heart if the Spirit of God's in you, right? That ought to do something in you and through you. I mean, it ought to transform how you look at life, that I have a purpose for being here. I'm not here just to suck in oxygen or take up space. I'm here with a purpose, and that purpose is only found in God. And he gives us these running lanes for our lives that gives us the boundaries that we're to run in and and the direction that we're to go. It's like being on a railroad track that you're following the tracks and it's taking you to that destination where he's called you to. I was in school getting my master's and one of our teachers was uh, teaching the class that day and we all had nameplates in front of our on the front of our desk so that he would know who we were and that kind of thing. He didn't know us all personally. And in the middle of his teaching, he stopped and he said, Brandon, this was when we were first planning the church. We had just started. And, and he said, Brandon, you, you stay on your tracks. And he didn't know me from, from anybody. You know, he didn't know, have a clue who I was other than my name tag was on the, on the chair or on the desk. And he said, you stay on your tracks. And you, you stay on your tracks. And he said, the, the, the train's going to come by and people are going to jump off, but they'll be back. You just stay on your tracks and you do what God's telling you to do. And I went back to the hotel room that night and began to pray and think about what he had told me. And it began to make so much sense because, see, here's the thing. If we get on someone else's tracks, we end up in their destination. And God's called us to get to a specific, distinct place. He's called us uh, to do something that, that only he wants us to do. Every, every church has its own vision, its own destination. We don't need to jump on the tracks of someone else just because it may be easier or it may be faster. What we need to do is allow God to lay the tracks out before us. And it's the same way in your life. Stay on your tracks. Be who God created you to be. Don't be something else because God created you the way he needed you to be to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through you and in you. And so I want to encourage you that you stay on your tracks. You stay in those running lanes that God's given you for your life. The fifth one, the last one in this section is this, that it makes a lot of decisions for you. David knew that he couldn't fight the battle the way God or the way Saul wanted him to fight the battle. He had a vision in his mind of what was going to happen. His experiences in the past told him what needed to happen. And so he threw the, he didn't take the armor that Saul wanted to give him. He, he went and he fought the way he knew he could fight. And, and he, he was able to make a decision that I don't need to do it this way. I need to do it this way. And we've had, had that happen so much. A clear vision helps you to say no to things, and it helps you to say yes to things. And when we were in the blue building and we were 
running about four or 500 people. Um, we were doing three services, and the opportunity to move to Statesboro High School came available. And, and for me, it was a no-brainer because there were more seats. There were over 1,000 seats at the Statesboro High School Auditorium, and I knew that our vision was to reach more people. We couldn't do that where we were, so it seemed very simple and very obvious that God wanted us to move to that building so that we could reach more people. We'd have more seats to reach more people. And so it made a decision for us that God showed us through our vision that this was the necessary step we needed to take. It helped us to make that decision. And having a clear vision for your life will help you make decisions. Just as David knew that he couldn't fight in a certain way, a traditional way, God showed him how he wanted him to do it. And so he followed. The next thing I want to share with you today is this process of vision. How, do you, how does it come about? What do you, how does it happen? And I want to do that actually out of Joshua chapter 1 and a little bit in chapter 3. Because this is the clearest uh, vi- or, or image that I see in, in Scripture of how a vision comes into being. And, and so when we look at Joshua, he's taking over from Moses. Moses has died. Joshua's leading the people into the promised land. Um, they're they're going to cross the Jordan River and go into, the, into Canaan, which was the land that God had promised them all along. And, and when you look at this, this process for vision, the first thing I would tell you about this is the first step is salvation. The first step is salvation. And when you look at Joshua, just like all of Scripture, Joshua points us to Jesus. When you see what Joshua did, it's a physical representation of the spiritual um, aspect of what Jesus did for us. In fact, Joshua, uh, we translate that um, to to mean uh, from a Hebrew word, and Joshua is the same as Jesus when they're translated, one in Greek and one in Hebrew. And so when you look at that, even their names mean the same thing. It means the Lord of salvation. And so as you look at that, um, it even compares in their names of what they did. Joshua brought the Israelites into the promised land. Jesus brings us into God's promise, which is salvation. And so we see that in Joshua, the gospels played out. And we need to see that the first step towards vision, towards doing what God wants us to do is salvation. Apart from salvation, we, we can't do anything for God's king. We can't, we can't even hear his voice because we're not even in a relationship with him. How's he, he can't, we're, we're separated. Our sin separates us from him. And so we're not in the relationship. And the second thing is that we need a relationship with God. God speaks to us through that relationship. And in Joshua 1.1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. And so we see God speaking to Joshua. He had a relationship with God that, that God was directing his life with. I would challenge you, like, when is the last time you heard God speak to you? When's the last time you got still enough and quiet enough or in God's word enough to hear the voice of the Lord speaking? Because if we're going to have a vision for our life and we're going to do what God has created us to do, we've got to be in a place where we're in relationship and he's speaking to our hearts and guiding and directing our hearts. The third thing that we have to do is we have to make an observation. We have to make an observation. Joshua had spent, as we see there in verse 1, he was Moses' aide. Joshua had spent his whole life following Moses and seeing what Moses had done and what God was doing through Moses. Joshua knew that God was working amongst these people. He had seen the miracles that God had done through Moses. And so he knew this is a place where God is working. He observed that. He saw that. We, we need to observe, where is God working in my life? 
We need to reflect on our past experiences and the ways God used us in the past to do things because so many times uh, the way he's used us in the past is gonna point us to the way that God wants to use us in the future. And so we have an opportunity to observe that and reflect on how God's used me in the past and how God wants to use me in the future. And so he had seen how God was working through Moses and now he realizes as God speaks to his heart, he's gonna work through me. God's gonna work through me the same way he worked through Moses. The fourth thing in the process is conception, is conception. It's when the vision's planted in your heart. It's when you begin to have a burden for something. I don't know how many of you maybe are burdened for something that that, that God has shaped your heart to be burdened for. And I know when we began to plant the church, it was something that we had a burden for. God put a burden in our heart because we we were um, longing to see people who were just in a religious situation church or religious um, atmosphere. We wanted to see them come into the power of God and know the power of God. We wanted to see people who were far from God, brought near to God. Those are things that we wanted to see happen, that we wanted to see take place. God burdened our hearts with that. And so there was this conception of the vision that God gave us. And this is important right here to stop for a second and say this, this is where most people stop. This is where most people stop, is at the point where the vision is in your heart and you have a vision or a burden for it, but but people stop. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. And if you stop right here, then you really don't have a vision, you have a dream. You have a dream that this would one day happen, but but dreaming it isn't gonna accomplish it. Vision comes with uh, next steps to take. It comes with something else to do. For, for Joshua to have stopped at this point would have been for him to walk out to the river every day and say, we're going to go across this thing. And then the next day to walk out again and say, we're really, really, we're going to cross this thing. We're going to cross it. And day after day, being able to say, we're going into the promised land, but never taking a step to do that. And so we need to see that this conception, this idea, this burden has to move to the next step, which is determined action. And it moves to a determined action. We see Joshua come to this in, in Joshua 1, uh, verse 10. It says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And so Joshua makes a decision. He says, we're going to do this. He begins to take action. He begins to step. He begins to move. And so he determines that I'm going to do something about this. Now, here's the cool thing about Joshua. It's one of my favorite sections of Scripture in the whole Bible. And here's why. Joshua tells them that we're going across the river. We're going to cross this river that this time of the year was was, uh, uh, not just a trickling stream. It was at flood stage. And so he's looking at this river, and he's saying, we're going across this river. And he doesn't even really know how it's going to happen yet. And I love that because so many times if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we've got to be willing to step towards the obstacle even when we don't know what the obstacle is going to do or how it's going to be overcome. But Joshua takes that step and he says, look, this is what we're doing. We're going across the river and you need to get ready and get prepared because in three days we're going into the promised land. And so we need to see that he had determined action. The sixth one is this, that we do what's first. We do what's first. Listen to verses, uh, 1 Samuel 3, verses 9 through 13. It says, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. 
See, the ark of the Lord of the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, each one one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And so we see this. This is the first step. He's taking the first step. This is how we're going to do this. We do the first step and we begin to step towards what God wants. And here's another incredible thing to see because Joshua is in this place where he's telling these men, put this box that represents the presence of God on your shoulders and go walk and step out into this raging river, right? Step out into it. And he says, and then when you do that, the water's going to stop. If they weren't apprehensive before this time, don't you think they're apprehensive now? That, that, that he's telling them, just go stand in this river and, and I'll part, it's going to part. God's going to part the river for us so that we can walk through. And so he, he goes and these, and these men go and they step foot into the river. The river stops, it piles up in a heap and then they're able to walk across. But he had to take the first step. The first step, those, those uh, priests had to take the first step of stepping into the river that, that was there, that was raging, and that they didn't know for certain what was going to happen. They just moved on the promise of God. And so we need to do the same thing. We need to take our first step so that in just trusting in the promises of God. And I wonder how many of you here today, there's something that God has put in your heart that, that you just are afraid to take the first step. But God's promise is to never leave us or forsake us. And if you'll do like Joshua and be strong and courageous, God will move in your life. God will do what he's promised you through his word that he will do. He is faithful to do everything that he's ever promised. And so we can, we can take that step. The last part of this process is do the next step. Don't just stop there. The promise of the Bible is this, that uh, his word is like a lamp unto our feet that, that, that will light our path. But it doesn't say it's like a floodlight or a spotlight that's going to light the path all the way down uh, to show you every step. What he promises is a lamp that will highlight the next step. And so as we take the first step, then we'll know the next step. But we've got to start stepping in what, towards what God wants us to do. Stepping towards the vision he has for my heart and for my life. As I carry it out, it becomes more and more clear. There are so many things that we've felt in our heart about this church uh, eight and a half years ago that we really didn't fully grasp until you know, sometime in the process. It was after the first step that we began to understand exactly what God was going to do. And so that's the process of vision. The last thing I wanna to talk to you about today is this and answer this question. What if God hasn't shown me anything? Because I know there, there's gonna be a lot of people who ask that question. What if God hasn't shown me anything? Then this is what I would say, start with God's word. Start with the Bible and do what the Bible says. Listen, he gives us enough to do in here to keep us busy. He gives us enough to do to shape our lives in here so that we, we would be faithful to do uh, what he tells us to in here first. And we all have a, a, a common vision in that we're all called to be like Christ. We're all called to be shaped like Christ. But then there are specific things that God will call us to do and to be as we shape our families and as he molds our families, as he molds our marriage, as he molds the workplace that we're in or the business that we own. Um, he, will, he will do that as we follow his word. Um, and then the second thing is be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Keep asking and keep seeking God until you feel that in your heart that you know what God's called you to and what he wants you to be about. 
What's he called you to do? How has he called you to advance his kingdom? If he hasn't, you feel like he hasn't shown you anything, then take the time to, to get in the word and to spend time in prayer until he does, until he shows you what it is that he wants you to do in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, whatever area it may be. The third thing is to listen to others. See, God's put us in a church. He's put us in, in, in fellowship with one another for this reason, so that we can learn from each other. Go to someone who you trust is seeking the Lord the same way you are and bounce it off of them. See what they say. See what they think. I don't think I've ever taken a major step of faith that I didn't go to some of my friends who I knew would seek the Lord with me and bounce it off of them first. And so go to other Christians that you trust and that you know are seeking God and bounce it off of them and tell them, this is what I'm feeling the Lord speak to my heart. You think this is God or did I drink too much Mountain Dew last night, right? And so it's one of those things where you, you, you can bounce it off of them. And the last thing is be honest. Be honest. Make sure that this thing of saying, what if God hasn't shown me anything, isn't just an excuse for not doing what God has already called you to do in the first place. Because so many of us know that God's told us something to do, told us something that we needed to be about, and, and we still haven't stepped in obedience to do what he's told us to do to start with. God's not going to give us more and more things to do if we're not faithful and willing to do the things he gives us in the beginning. And so we need to make sure we're being honest with ourselves. So many times we know what God wants us to do. We just don't want to take the step of faith to do it, right? And so we got to be honest about that. And I want to encourage you today that this is, this is something for you. It's not just for me. It's not just for people who plant churches. It's not just for pastors who have this calling. You've all been called. And you've all been empowered to do what God wants to do in your life. He, he, he's, he's not going to call you to do something that he doesn't equip and empower you to do. And so we have to come to a place of surrender to him and saying, God, do what you will in my life. Do what you will in my heart. And then do what you will through me, God. And, and show me where it is you want me to go. And when we ask, you know, listen, we, we don't come to him and ask in this Maybe I'll do it or maybe I won't. It's one of those situations where we say yes, and then we say, what is it you want us to do? And so that's the order that it should come. Yes, God, I'm here. I'll do what you tell me to. And then God says, this is what I want for you. And so we, we commit to surrendering to his will from the beginning. I think there's some things, though, that keep people from, from having a vision for their life. One of them is that, that we think it's just for special people or called people or pastors when God wants that for every one of us. But another thing is that sometimes we just honestly don't care. It's like, it's like in here this morning, there's going to be a certain number of people that could care less about a vision for their life. But here's the other option to not have a vision for your life. It's given by God is to say, well, I'm going to wander for 70 or 80 years um, and through my life, not really accomplishing anything that God wants me to accomplish. And so we come to this place where we have to make a decision. Do I care enough? about what God wants me to do uh, in that I would seek him and find him and allow him to speak into my heart what it is that he wants to accomplish. Another reason that people don't uh, have a vision for life is because they don't believe it. They don't believe that God will give them one. And listen, God wants to do that. He, wants, he doesn't want you to, 
go to bed at night, wake up the next morning, go to work, go to bed that night, wake up the next morning, go to work, go to bed that night, wake up the next morning, go to work. Uh, thank God it's Friday. Now I made it to the weekend. And then Saturday's awesome, but it goes by too fast. And then Sunday, I'm thinking about going back to work on Monday. He doesn't want us just living for the weekend. He wants to live in us every day of the week. He wants to work in us every day of the week. And so we've got to believe that, that God wants to give us a reason for existence. I, I know in my life, um, for a long, long time, I lived for Saturday and Sunday and Friday night. But I mean, that kind of stinks when you think about it because you're giving away so much of your life. It's just muddling through the rest of the week. But God gives us vision and a purpose for every day of the week, not just for some days, right? Not just for Saturday and Sunday, not just for a holiday, but for every day, he gives us a reason to be excited about what he's doing. And the last reason that I think people don't really embrace a vision from God is because you feel like you've been disqualified or somehow you're disqualified. And one way this could happen is because I find this to be true that older people will say, well, you know, I don't know how much more time I've got left, so I don't know what God's gonna do through me. Well, listen, Nobody in here knows how much time they've got left, right? Nobody in here knows, but this is what I know. I'm gonna do my best to spend those days serving God and doing what God has called me to do. And so if you've got breath in your body, God's got a purpose for you in this life, whether you're 16 or 67 or 87 or whatever it is, God's got a purpose for you in this life and he'll reveal that purpose to you as you walk with him hand in hand. Some people feel disqualified because of their past. See, this is the whole reason that Jesus came to earth is to take away our sin. Some of us have sinned in such ways that we feel like, you know, one, maybe God can't ever forgive me. Two, if he forgives me, I don't know that I can forgive me. And three, certainly what I've done has disqualified me from being used in the kingdom. But I would have you go back and read the New Testament and read about the people that God used. He didn't use the people who had lived perfect lives. He used sinners like you and like me to do his work. He used natural sinners to do supernatural things for his kingdom. And God wants to do that in and through each one of us, not wasting one ounce of potential that's in you. And, and you may look at your life and go, well, I don't have a lot to offer. What I'm telling you is if you'll just offer what you have, God will multiply it. It's like the, the young man that brought his lunch to Jesus and Jesus multiplied it to feed 5,000 plus people. He didn't have a lot, but he gave it to Christ and Jesus took that and he multiplied it to do a great miracle. The thing I know is that God will do miracles in our lives. We sang this morning that he is a miracle working God. And that is true, but we've got to give him what we have. We've got to trust him with, with what we have and who we are so that he can take that and use it for his kingdom. And today I, I want to encourage you that you would get with God, see where he's leading you. Ask him to show you what, what, is, what is it that I'm supposed to do in my workplace? What is it that I'm supposed to do with my business? What is it that my family, that's a goal for my family? Because if I want a family that lives for God, that is a godly family, a godly household, man, I gotta lead them there. And so what is it that God would speak to your heart about your, the areas of your life that he wants to do in those areas? Because he wants to do something. And the first step in this, guys, is salvation. It's coming into a relationship with God. 
And I want you to have that. I, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you spent all your life wandering with no point, just wondering what it is am I here? What is, what is it that I'm here for? Why do I exist? Guess what? We only find that in Christ. We only find that through a relationship with God, the reason that we exist. And if you don't have that, then maybe the reason is because you haven't had that relationship with God. Do you know the God of the universe? Have you surrendered your life to Him? Have you trusted Him to be your Lord, to be the Lord of your life, to guide your life? And have you trusted Him to be your Savior, to take away your sins? Because that's what He came for, is to take away the sin of the world. He came to to give His life so that we could have life, to give us righteousness, to implant righteousness in us that would then work itself out of us. Do you have that kind of relationship with God or has it just been going through the motions, going through the religious actions? Because listen, religious actions don't lead us to uh, be what God's called us to be. It's a relationship with Christ that's living and active in our heart that leads us and shapes us and guides us and empowers us. So if you're here today and you say, I don't have that relationship with Christ, but I want that. I want to know Jesus. I want a relationship with God that, that gives me a reason for existence, that gives me a way of pleasing God, that gives me a way of being right with God. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You stick your hand up in the air and say, I need a relationship with Christ. I need to know Him. I need a relationship with God. Anybody here today that you would, you would say, that's me. That's where I'm at. second thing then I want to pray for you I want to pray for you if you're in a place where maybe even before you walked in here God was stirring your heart stirring your heart about some point in your life something in your life that he's wanting to work in he's wanting to work through maybe it is your workplace and you're asking God God what can I do to to advance your kingdom in my workplace. God, what can I do to advance your kingdom in my business? Maybe it's your family. God, what can I do to advance my family uh, towards your vision for who they are and who we're called to be? And so I wanna pray for you today. If your heart's stirred, you say, I wanna do what God's called me to do. I wanna be what God's called me to be. I wanna live for God. I wanna see God's vision accomplished in my life. I don't wanna waste one ounce of potential that I have with God. Then I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and let's pray together. And, and let's say, God, I'm here today and I want you to move in my life. I wanna know the vision for my life. I wanna know what it is that, that you want me to do, God. I wanna know what it is that you've called me to. Because I know this, God is faithful. If we seek Him, we'll find Him. If we knock, the door will be open. And God will show us. So I want to pray for us today before we go. Let's pray. God, I thank You for who You are and what You do, God, and the way You do it. God, thank You that You created us with a purpose in mind. You created us for a reason. God, I pray that we wouldn't waste that uh, living the way we want to live and doing what we want to do, but we would be surrendered to You to accomplish what You want us to accomplish, God. Would you reveal more of your heart to us, more of who you are? And would you reveal the things that you want us to do, God? It makes me think about in in 1 Samuel when Samuel tells Saul, go and do what your hand finds to do. I pray that we would do the things that you put before us, the things that our hand finds to do, God, that we would do those things and that we would not waste one ounce of potential that you've put within us to advance your kingdom. Let's live for you, God, not for ourselves, but God, let it be that our our hearts are shaped to 
beat like yours, to see like yours, so that we can do what you've created us to do. Would you fill us now with the power of your spirit, God, overflowing us through the power of your spirit so that we can do the things that you've called us to do. Empower us, God, to go forward and let us know that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You won't ask us to do anything that you don't empower and equip us to do, God. So I pray, Lord, that we would be confident in that and that we would take our steps of faith, our next step of faith, whatever that is. God, show yourself to us. We want to know you more. We want to love you more. We want to love others more, God, in the same way that you love us. But Father, would you accomplish your purposes in our life? In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. But listen, God wants to do an incredible work. God's not finished here. God's not finished with you. My prayer is that he would do an incredible thing through us that only God can take credit for. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good week.